So let's listen now to this scripture from John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and this is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here ends the reading. So what is abundant life? I think that's maybe a question that a lot of us are asking now. What is an abundant life? I mean, much of the time we're told what an abundant life is. It's a new car. It's a new house. It's new clothes, new shoes. It's a better job, a better school for our kids, more activities for them to keep them off the streets. It's running around all the time doing all these different things. For most of us, anyway, that's what we often think of as an abundant life. But what is it, really, to have life and to have it abundantly as Jesus might be talking about here? For they didn't necessarily have the marketing resources that are all around us now. They didn't have billboards on the way into Jerusalem, you know, trying to sell them the next best clay pot or that sort of thing. I know when they went to the marketplace, I'm sure those things were there and the the people were hawking their wares and and giving their pitch and, and all of that. But most people in that time didn't have the resources to have a resource-rich life, abundant life, in the way that we often think about it. So what is abundant life? What is abundant life for someone who now is without work? Who now is worried about whether they're going to be able to pay rent? Well, two days ago. What about those for whom have never had to go to a to a food bank before and find themselves in long lines wondering if there's actually going to be enough food for them to take home to their family? What does abundant life look like for them? Everybody has their own perspective on what that might mean depending on their situation. But I think that Jesus has some words of wisdom for us. But first I want to talk about sheep. I grew up around sheep a little bit. We had a few when I was growing up, but there were people around us who who kept sheep, and I worked for a farmer one summer 
who had, who had a pretty decent-sized flock of sheep. And basically what I learned about sheep then, at least American sheep, are stupid. I mean, they're just not smart. They follow who's ever in the lead, and if the sheep that's in the lead runs into the fence, then a hundred sheep run into the fence behind them. And, and sometimes the lead sheep gets crushed up against the fence and gets hurt. And so you had to be very careful when you, when you entered into the sheep pen because they would run away from you and they would bang themselves into the fence. Kind of like a, if somebody has a Roomba, you know, you see that thing and it goes and it'll run into something and it'll sort of back off and turn. Well, it wasn't quite like that because you had a hundred Roombas who were coming and they were running into the wall together. But apparently in the Middle East, sheep are smarter. Well, maybe the shepherds are smarter. The shepherds lead the sheep, as I told the kids earlier. And apparently there was some thought that the number of sheep that you might want to have together, the number of animals in a sheepfold, would be 38. And you actually would have sheep and goats together. Because goats, goats are junk eaters, basically. They will eat almost anything. That's, that's not just a stereotype. They, they will eat almost anything, including what other animals would think of as weeds. And sheep would, often are overgrazers. They'll eat the good grass all the way to the ground and then there won't be any left to come back up. They'll pull it right up. And so somehow in having sheep and goats together, they let the goats go through first, and then the sheep come behind, and somehow that works to keep the vegetation growing as they move through. But in the Middle East, there's a lot of what is called wilderness, and and it's not like we think of as wilderness. It's not tree-covered wilderness. It's, it's mostly desert-type wilderness. And so to find places where there is water, a source of water, which would also mean that there, there might be vegetation there, the shepherd would have to be very knowledgeable about the area. And the sheep trust the shepherd, the good shepherds, because they lead them to places where there is water and where there is food. And so as Jesus is using this metaphor about the shepherd and the, and the gate and the sheepfold, for the people of that time, it, they would have been able to see it in their minds. They, he might have even been pointing to a shepherd that was up on the hills up next to them as the shepherd was leading his flock out to the pastures. And Jesus says this interesting other metaphor or, or allegory that he, he talks about being the good shepherd, and that comes a little later, right after this passage. But he also says, I am the gate for the sheep. And lots of people have, have used that to say that Jesus is the only way to get into the sheepfold. But what's interesting is that later Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this flock, and I'm going to gather them all together. And so one commentator said, you know, the disciples and we, we don't have any idea... And we really cannot authoritatively comment on who's in and who's out of the sheepfold. That we, as sheep, are called to follow Jesus, not to decide who gets in and who gets out of the sheepfold. That's up to Jesus. That's up to the shepherd. And that Jesus, Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the gate. He is he is the way that we enter into, enter into God's fullness. That he opens the way for us to be in this flock. He shows us that way. And so then, in following this good shepherd, 
in following this one who lays down his life for the sheep. We come to find what abundant life is. And what is it? Well, Molly T. Marshall, who is a a theologian, put some things out there. She said that she thinks abundant life is a purposeful vocation that serves the common good, meaning work that does good in the neighborhood, is how I might say it. Work that does good in the neighborhood, that touches people's lives and, and helps care for them. Participation in a generative ecclesial community. Can you tell she's a theologian? Meaning a generative congregation, a, a gathering of faithful people. It's generative, that, that isn't just focused in on itself, but is out there generating love and new ideas and care for the community. She writes next that the delight in sustaining relationships, that an abundant life has relationships that last over time, and that we delight in nurturing them and caring for them. And her last thing is a sense of security in Christ no matter what comes. A sense of security in Christ no matter what comes. That's trusting the good shepherd that no matter if hard times come, no matter if hard times come, that we trust that the good shepherd is leading us and guiding us. I believe that Jesus calls us toward fertile fields of deep, joyous life. Not life without struggle or without cares or without worries or without concerns, but an abundant life. He calls us away from thinking about life as the sum of our possessions, as fame or fortune, as a job title, or wearing a certain brand name of clothing, driving a certain car, Away from voices of anger, of division, of hatred, of falsity. Away from all of the isms in our lives that surround us that we participate in. He calls us toward a life where we question and we wonder, how are we participating in unjust systems that keep people from an abundant life? that keep people from having meaningful work, that keep people from having deep, sustaining relationships, that keep people from participating in community in the fullest way possible, that keep people away from hearing the good news of Jesus and seeing him as the gate and entering into the life of following the shepherd. He calls us into a life where we're very deeply involved in questioning our own motives and our own way because we have put our lives in the hands of the shepherd. And so, as we ask this question, and we should continue to ask it even even when things aren't completely askew, we should be asking ourselves as followers, what is an abundant life now? What is enough? And if I have more than enough, how do I share that? How do I share that? with others. And we always know that we have something to share because we can always share love and care and grace and hope no matter if we have nothing else at all. And so what is an abundant life? Well, I think it begins with a new birth into a living hope. 
It proceeds in following and learning from the shepherd and listening for the voice of the good shepherd. And it consists of living in the house of the Lord our whole life long. And so I encourage you, as you seek to answer that question for yourself, what is the abundant life? I encourage you to go and to read the rest of John 10, to read the 23rd Psalm, to read Ezekiel 34, and to hear about the shepherds that aren't so good and who will shepherd God's people. I pray that no matter what your life looks like right now, that you might hear the voice calling you, the voice of the Good Shepherd, and that you may enter into his abundant life. Amen.